Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn about our podcast, daily devotional, how to contact us, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's study in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 called Identity Crisis. in verse 1. The unrighteous seems to be a spiritual category. It's not, it could be the behavior of the unbeliever, but here it's that they don't have the righteousness of Jesus in end of verse 1 contrasted with saints. We are saints. If you're a Christian, you're a saint. Not by virtue that you are so saintly, but because you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ credited to your account. So you are a saint before God. You've been set apart by God. You've been made holy by the righteousness of God. Now, in both cases, of course, we want the behavior to follow. But the unrighteous would be those who do not know Jesus Christ. So they don't have the values of God. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have the wisdom of God. It's the justified Christians taking petty differences before the unjustified. New Living Translation says, when one of you has a dispute with, with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? There are those who have looked at our court system in terms of uh, subjects like mediation and arbitration and say that it comes from Jesus' words in Matthew 18. When Jesus said in Matthew 18, if you have an issue with your brother, you go to them first privately and you You talk to them about the grievance. You talk to them about the sin, whether it's against you or something that you see that is causing them to go down the wrong path. And if they hear you, you've what? You've won your brother. But if they won't listen, then you take two or three others. And then finally, there's a a strategy to open it up to a bigger group. But first, it's you going privately to protect their reputation. First, it's us dealing with one another in the context of individuals and then even the church. But let's face it, oftentimes we don't do that. And so the snowball goes running down the hill and we find ourselves in a situation where, you know, now it's become open for public consumption. Or sometimes what we do is we try somebody in the court of public opinion. Our identity as God's saints means that we are to display a different way of doing life, a different attitude. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, let everything that you do be done in love. How many of you have stayed home one day and turned on some of those court shows? You ever watch those court shows? And the, the deep music sound, and in comes the litigants of the... and and. It's person A, and person A was ripped off for a $35 typewriter repair by person B. And they walk in, briefcase in hand, and, and the presiding judge is going to figure out if person A should reclaim the $35, the broken typewriter, and then you find out that their cousins or their former roommates... I want my $35. And they go on the people's court. Or they go to Judge, uh, what's her name again? Oh, oh, you guys know her, Judge Judy. Yeah. And isn't it funny? Because the people go and the judge just rails on them. I don't know how much they get paid for this. But isn't it funny? 
And, and people, you know, imagine if a secular judge in first century Corinth had two brothers walk into the court. Let's just imagine a scene for a second. And let's imagine that one biological brother is suing the other biological brother over a lawnmower. Uh, he, he borrowed my lawnmower back in June of last year, and he hasn't returned it yet. And, he, and then when I asked for it, he, he broke it. Wow. And I'm seeking, uh, uh, well, I've had some emotional stress from it, and I'm seeking damages and lost time at work. <laughs> Can you imagine the judge? Really? Now imagine for a second that those two in the court are Christians. And a non-believing judge watches them argue over their lawnmower. Can you see why Paul's attitude is, really? That's what you guys are doing? You're taking these petty, silly things, these disagreements before unbelievers? Now, he gives us a, or do you not know, in verse 2, and it's future-oriented. And this may seem far out and even bizarre to some of you, but here's what it says. Do you not know that the saints, Christians, will judge the world? And if the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Are you not competent? Are you incompetent to try trivial cases, ESV? New Living Translation can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? Paul's appeal to the church includes the future, but it's an identity crisis. We don't see ourselves the way we need to see ourselves or as God does, and we don't see others through God's eyes. So sometimes we allow our selfishness and our flesh and our pride to muddy the waters. We need to put on our spiritual glasses, but we don't always do that. And ironically, the Corinthian church was letting a large sin go by in their midst of incest, and yet they were taking smaller disputes to secular courts. Jesus said, we're going to judge the world. Go to Matthew 19 for a second. Actually, he's addressing his apostles here, but check this out. Matthew 19, this is verse 27. Matthew 19, 27. Peter says to Jesus, behold, Matthew 19, 27, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, Matthew 19, 28, that you who have followed me in the regeneration or renewal of all things, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Keep reading. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake shall receive many times as much and shall inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And the last first. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In some way, the saints will have a part in the judgment of the world. In John 5.22, Jesus said that the Father has given all judgment to the Son. Do you know, this is just an interesting thing to ponder, that Jesus will do all the final judging of the entire world. 
Do you know how sometimes people will say to you in a conversation, they'll dismiss Jesus and say, I believe in God. But do you know that the Bible says that all judgment has been given to the Son? It would be good that you know Him. And Jesus is God the Son. And in some of the parables He told, He's got people saying, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in Your name? And people knocking at doors and saying, let us in. And He says, depart from Me, you who work iniquity, I don't know you. To know Jesus is to have salvation. This is the message that we proclaim. And you see, part of the reason we get ourselves in trouble is because we don't have a future orientation in our view as a Christian. We put so much stock in now, we don't realize what's ahead of us. See, this will help you and I overcome the petty things that sometimes get under our skin, let's be honest. We all have our grievances. We all have our disputes. Paul's language certainly acknowledges that there's going to be times when we don't get along with family members and other Christians. Let's just say, hey, that's reality. Paul even had his disputes with Barnabas over Mark in the book of Acts, and they separated. Life does happen. But one of the reasons why we hold on to grudges and resentment is that we think this is all that there is. But do you see that you have more ahead of you than you're going to get on this planet? You have eternity ahead of you. You have rewards that you're sending ahead. But we are so consumed with now that we don't have a future orientation. And so that causes us to get so caught up in the now. Cases in this language is criterion. And we can hear the word criteria. It means a judge judging or testing or criterion in verse 2 points to civil litigation. When a brother brings suit against brother, it is a sign that something is tragically wrong. Can I say this as well? When you start making your cases to your co-workers about someone that you're supposed to love and you crucify them in the court of public opinion, there's something wrong with your relationship with that person. You're not not resolving issues between the two of you. You're taking it outside and gossiping about that person or trashing that person in the court of public opinion, which can be worse than going into a court and hammering it out before 12 jurors, if you will. So Paul, you can see why he's upset. Do you not know, verse 3, it gets even deeper, that we, the saints, 1 Corinthians 6, 3, we shall judge angels. How much more matters of this life? Here's another. Do you not know? Don't you know who you are? Do you see the identity crisis? We are going to judge the world, I think along with Jesus, at least uh, in some way in our connection to Him, and we are even going to judge angels. Now this sounds incredible. What does that mean? Well, it probably refers to fallen angels. Some see this in a Hebraic sense that it means that we're going to rule the angels. Uh, You can kind of wrestle with that. The Greek word is krino. It means to distinguish or decide. So it would seem to imply a distinguishing or deciding, but it also does have the meaning of to judge. Two verses in Revelation. I'll read them, write them down. Revelation 2, 25 through 27. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Hey, we want to say thank you so much to the new financial partners for joining us in our mission to broadcast on more radio stations and to do more free apologetic teaching events. Our need of $3,000 a month for next year is now down to $2,660, thanks to eight new monthly commitments. We've had some one-time donors too, and we're really grateful because that helped out our overall budget. I want to make it clear that we're not saying help us or we'll disappear from the radio station. The Lord and our existing partners have made it possible to be on this awesome station. Hello, my name is Lori, and I'm from Corona, California, and I listen because of Pastor Michael and his teaching the Bible verse by verse, and I'm a Walk Together partner because I want this to go across the byways and the highways, and I want all people to know the Lord. We're asking for a new partnership with you. If we can now get 89 more listeners to commit to giving at least $30 a month, we can reach our goal and join more radio stations and do more events to reach the community. And did we mention that some of those stations are secular ones? We want to reach people that might not have even heard the gospel before. So please commit what you can. Please click the donate button on walkintruth.com. Our goal is still to reach $2,660 a month before the end of the year so we can get rolling on our plans. So please visit walkintruth.com and click donate. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. When you start making your cases to your coworkers about someone that you're supposed to love, and you crucify them in the court of public opinion, there's something wrong with your relationship with that person. You're not, you're not resolving issues between the two of you. You're taking it outside and gossiping about that person or you know, trashing that person in the court of public opinion, which can be worse than going into a court and hammering it out before 12 jurors, if you will. So Paul, you can see why he's upset. Do you not know, verse 3, it gets even deeper, that we, the saints, 1 Corinthians 6, 3, will, we shall judge angels. How much more matters of this life? Here's another, do you not know? Don't you know who you are? Do you see the identity crisis? We are going to judge the world, I think along with Jesus, at least uh, in some way in our connection to him, and we are even going to judge angels. Now this sounds incredible. What does that mean? Well, it probably refers to fallen angels. Some see this in a Hebraic sense that it means that we're going to rule the angels. Uh, You can kind of wrestle with that. The Greek word is krino. It means to distinguish or decide. So it would seem to imply a distinguishing or deciding, but it also does have the meaning of to judge. Two verses in Revelation. I'll read them, write them down for your notes. Revelation 2, 25 through 27. Jesus says, Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. In Revelation 3.21, Jesus says, He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. And we know that Jesus will sit on his throne, Matthew 25, at the end of the age, and he will separate the sheep from the goats. And so in some maybe mysterious sense, With our unity with Christ, our connection to Him, we will have some participation in the judgment of the world and even the judgment, I believe here, of fallen angels. You could look at Daniel 7, 21 and 22 as well. Knowing our destiny should help us to live for today. 
One writer says, The destiny of, a, of redeemed men and women to one day be higher than the angels and even to judge them must greatly annoy a certain high angel. He did not want to serve an inferior creature now and did not want that inferior creature to be raised up even higher than he. So he rebelled against God, this is Satan, and is determined to keep as much of humanity as possible from sitting in judgment of himself. We can imagine the perverse, proud pleasure Satan takes over every soul that ends up in hell, saying something like this, they won't sit in judgment over me, close quote. This is a radical view of who you are, isn't it? Much different than maybe the modern mentality that, yeah, I go to church on Sundays and that's about it. No, this is your identity. This is who you are in Jesus. This is your future. And so Paul says in light of that, uh, ESV in verse 4, so if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? If this is who you are, even if you have some disputes, why bring them to this public forum before unbelievers? I say this to your shame. Earlier in 4.14, Paul says, I don't write to shame you, but this time he says, I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not among you one wise man? Remember, in Corinth, in the Greek mind, wisdom was the essential thing. They, they are proud about their wisdom. And Paul says, ironically, don't you have one wise person around who's able to decide or judge or settle between brothers? Don't you have one? But brother goes to law or to court with brother. And that before unbelievers. Can you imagine you're in the courtroom hammering it out? Let's say the verdict goes your way. You get $200 for your broken lawnmower. Yes! Let's say you're leaving the courtroom and you say, hey judge, by the way, I, I go to Living Truth. If you ever want to come by and learn about the hope and love of the gospel of Jesus Christ, here's an invitation card. Please don't do that. <laughs> Please, take the bumper sticker off your car. Because it's sending a mixed message that here we are a redeemed community, but we can't even forgive one another over silly, petty things. Do you see the inconsistency, the incongruity of the message? It's a mixed message being sent to the culture. And it would be easy to point our finger at Corinth in the first century until we back up and ask some questions about Corona right now. And go, wait a minute. Do I do that? Do I do that in my marriage, in my friendships, in maybe in my business, or maybe there's a more direct application? The word brother, verse 6, is used 39 times in this letter. We're family. Family squabbles are tough. But Paul says, you should be able to take care of these things. Can't you sit down with one another? Couldn't you, maybe if you need a third party, a mediator, couldn't you ask a, a wise leader in the church to sit down with you and hash it out and figure out the lawnmower thing <laughs> or whatever it may be? That's what Paul's saying. So he says, actually then, verse 7, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded or cheated or robbed? What are you talking about, Jesus? I can feel it in the room. I wrote it in my notes. What? What do you mean, why not rather suffer the wrong? 
I'm not going to let anybody get away with that. I'm not going to let somebody get the upper hand. Can you imagine someone going out of the court? Let's say that they, they won the court case and they're feeling good. Yeah, I won. I'm the winner. Paul says, no. You lost. It was a spiritual loss. Oh, maybe, maybe you won some money. Maybe you got the award from the judge, but let me tell you, put it in the loss column. It's not a win. It's a loss. You ready? Buckle your seatbelt now. You get in an argument with your spouse. Some of you put on your lawyer hat. Well, let me tell you something. You go to your list, and, and let's say that you win the argument, and maybe you're feeling pretty good for a moment. Can I just say to you right now, you lost. And you will find out in the coming days how much you lost. As she indicates that you will now be sleeping with a furry creature in the backyard. <laughs> but, I, but I won! I, I won! I won! You did? I, I don't think you did. I think you lost. Can I say to you this? What do you think heaven's verdict is on some of the spats that Christians get into? When the Lord looks from heaven and watches a church divide, and you know, the, the enemy, Satan, is a divider. He loves to divide and conquer, or divide and destroy. What do you think heaven's verdict is? Do you know that as a Christian, that's all that really should matter? It would be better in heaven's eyes if you just suffered the wrong. I can't do that. I feel my pride. I, I feel myself saying, no way! Uh-uh! And it could be our insecurities. It could be that maybe we just don't realize who we are. You see, sometimes we've put wins when they should belong in the loss category. And that's what Paul is saying. You may have won a little sum of money. Maybe you feel good because you feel like that person wronged you. But in heaven's eyes and in your witness, you're testifying to this Corinthian community. You lost, man. Who's going to want to go there now? The evidence is that the Corinthian church was not a big church, but you could see the influence. Everyone lost spiritually when this happened. Why not suffer the wrong? You see, this is what it means to live out our gospel identity. The gospel of Jesus Christ is all about our Lord suffering for our wrongs. The wrongs that we have done and the wrongs done to us were nailed there that day, there at the cross. You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and this was part two of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 called Identity Crisis. Hey, a reminder that we do podcast the program, so go back and listen to any of our previous teachings in 1 Corinthians or any other series we've done. Subscribe to listen to Walk in Truth for free on podcast apps like Google Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen online on walkintruth.com. And when you do, please help us out by sharing a podcast with a friend. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, here we are, entering into the wonderful holiday season of Thanksgiving and Christmas. Can you believe it? Here we are 
in late November. This is Thanksgiving week. This is Pastor Michael. And hey, I want to wish you a very special holiday season and want to just remind us all to be grateful. There's so many blessings that we have that we take for granted. You know, whether we have shelter, a car to travel with, food to eat every day, there's basic essentials that we can easily take for granted that we should be giving thanks for. And I want to encourage you to, you know, we're as a staff and as a radio staff, we've been thinking about this season of hope. And so as we enter into Advent season, I just want to encourage you that we serve the God of hope. And, you know, we invite you to put your prayer requests our way, to go to our website, to tell us how we can pray for you. And we get all kinds of different prayer requests. And there are people who are hurting, people who need hope, people who are lonely. And the gospel is such good news for all of us, no matter where you find yourself. The gospel is good news. God cares about you. We care about you. Share your prayer request with us when you go to walkintruth.com. And we would love to know how to pray for you. And uh, let us know if the program is being a blessing to you. That would be a blessing to us. Hey, let me invite you to our men's breakfast and study. It's at Corky's Restaurant right off the 15 freeway at 6 a.m. Being led by a great guy, Paul Hicks. And they are going through the Gospel of Luke right now. So would love for you to join them. You can find out more information and directions when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Do it today. Hey, there won't be a Wednesday night service uh, this week because of the Thanksgiving week. So just remember that if you're planning on joining us. And just make sure you download the app and you can find out all the information that you need. God bless you. Grateful that you're listening. Tune in tomorrow as Pastor Michael will conclude his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 called Identity Crisis. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. We're always equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.